Welcome back to The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. The Men's World Cup is over, but now it's time for the women. I'm going to have Women's World Cup episodes all summer long, breaking down all the storylines and all the fun. My name is Peter Roman. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And let's dive right in. Welcome back to The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. This is going to be my semi-final recap episode. And then, of course, on Saturday, at some point, I will record a World Cup final preview. We're down to the final game of the tournament. I'm so excited. But, of course, we have to get the semifinals out of the way first. So let's talk about them. So we're going to start with the what I think was the most anticipated semifinal, England versus Australia. England won this game 3-1 to to advance to their first ever Women's World Cup final as they defeated the hosts in Sydney in front of a sellout crowd and a record-shattering attendance on television. So, how did the game go down? Well, England, I think, did a really, really good job in this game of trying to neutralize and really quiet down the crowd because when you're playing a host nation like this especially you know the way Australia has been able to captivate and motivate the entire country to get behind them you have to find a way to take the crowd out in the same way that Nigeria did in the second group stage game and I think England did a really good job of that they were really structured and solid defensively and they were able to keep the ball for large portions of the game, not letting Australia have sustained momentum and attacking play, at least in the first half. They also opened the scoring in the first half. Ella Toon scored the goal. Russo made a really good play down the end line, and she ended up passing it into the middle, and Toon with a perfect shot into the top corner, put England into the lead 1-0 in the first half. And in my opinion, a very deserved lead, for the English. Australia, I think, really struggled in that first half to generate high-level scoring chances. And it's also the first goal Australia has conceded since that said Nigeria game. So, it's 1-0 going into halftime. England in control, England in command. They look like the team that we thought they could be in this tournament. And then in the second half, things changed because Australia happened to have a player by the name of Sam Kerr. And Sam Kerr has obviously been injured for most of this tournament with her calf injury. She's come on as a substitute the last few games, but now she is starting this game. She was in the starting lineup for the first time all tournament. And what happens when you have world-class players like this is that sometimes they can produce moments of magic. And Sam Kerr did exactly that. In the 60th minute, she basically got the ball from around the halfway line and dribbled and it was basically one against two it was her against two English defenders she carried the ball and just decided from range to be like you know what I'm just gonna shoot this and she shot it so well it rippled the back of the net and sent the entire country into a frenzy and I won't lie to you because I was watching this game of course this game was 4 a.m my time When Sam Kerr scored that goal, I almost fell out of my chair. I could not believe she shot that from that spot. 
but also that it went in and it was just a magnificent goal from Sam Kerr to put the game all square 1-1. One of the best goals of the tournament and the biggest goal of her life, the biggest goal in Australian history. Unfortunately for them, the immediately after the goal, they had a lot of momentum and it felt like Australia was going to win the game, but they weren't able to score. And England, uh, about nine minutes later, they ended up regaining the lead because they took advantage of another defensive mistake. So in the Columbia game in the quarterfinals, it was the goalkeeper who made a mistake. In this game, it was Ellie Carpenter, the defender for Australia, who made the mistake. And it was the same player, Lauren Hemp, for England, who was there to capitalize on the mistake and put England back in the lead. So now they're up 2-1, to one, but Australia responded really well. And they dominated. They had all the pressure, all the momentum for the better part of like 10 minutes. But they couldn't find that equalizer. And then in the 84th minute, it fell to Sam Kerr in the box. And she just needed to put it in. It was, a, you know, not the easiest finish of all time. But for a, you know, for a player like her, you expect it to go in. And it didn't. And then England, two minutes later, Russo ended up scoring. Hemp played her through. And Russo, brilliant strike, low in the corner, game, set, and done. England win 3-1. to one. They're off to their first Women's World Cup final ever. So, obviously heartbreaking for Australia. They couldn't, they just, they didn't play that well in the first half, in my opinion. But in the second half, after the Kerr goal, they had a lot of chances to take the lead. They weren't able to capitalize. And then after England took the lead 2-1, to one, they had a lot of chances to tie the game. They weren't able to do it. And that's the way it goes sometimes. You know, if you aren't able to capitalize on your chances when you get them, it's going to be hard to win games. In England, they were clinical, and they they make you pay for mistakes. And that's how it was in this game. So, congratulations to England. The European champions are through to the World Cup final for the first time ever. And if you include the men's team, this is only the second time this has ever happened because the men's team made the final in 1966. The women's team, obviously, this is their first time ever making it. So for the for the England fans that believe football is coming home, there's certain a lot of re- certainly a lot of reasons to believe that it will come home. England might not have been super impressive throughout the whole tournament, but they've definitely been, you know, consistently great at capitalizing on mistakes. And they found ways to win, which is so, so important in tournaments like this. And I mean, it makes you almost imagine and wonder, what if this England team was like fully healthy? They might be running away with this tournament. But it doesn't matter how you get here, because they're in the final. England, this is what they, they wanted from the start. And now they have a chance to win the World Cup right after winning the European Championships just one summer ago. And for Australia, well, it was tough. This is a tough loss. There's no way to sugarcoat that. But what Australia has done in this tournament, the impact the Matildas have had in this tournament is nothing short of incredible. And they deserve just every bit of praise for this. And the craziest number I saw. So the viewership record for this game. So... The Australia-England game was the most watched television event in Australian history since they started tracking this. 42% of the country tuned in on Channel 7, which was the channel broadcasting the games. 
42% of the country tuned in on television to watch the game. And that doesn't include the people at bars and pubs, and it doesn't include the people at live sites. So that is unbelievable. It is incredible what football can do, but also how women's football has gotten to this point where now it can do the same things in bringing countries together in the exact same way the men's game does, the exact same way. Because this is what happens in men's football. This is what's happened at the Men's World Cup forever. And I'm so, so happy to see this happening now at the Women's World Cup, where we have literal entire countries getting behind teams. This is amazing. And it is absolutely one of the best stories of this entire World Cup. The fact that Australia has taken women's football to another place in popularity, in growth, and in everything else that you could possibly want from the sport. So congratulations to Australia. I know they still have one more game to play, the third place game, but I mean, the third place game to me doesn't really matter that much. But regardless, like this is amazing. This is unbelievable. I love, love this for Australia. And the, the game didn't go the way they were hoping to, but what they've accomplished in this tournament means so much more than the result in the end. And that's just the way I think. But that's pretty much all I got for the England and Australia game. So now let's move on to the second semifinal, which was actually played before this one. I just wanted to talk about England-Australia first. So Spain versus Sweden. Spain won this game 2-1 to one to advance to their first ever Women's World Cup final. And we already knew a while ago that we would have a new champion in this tournament. Well, we have two new finals debutantes with Spain and England going toe-to-toe -to -toe in the World Cup final. Sweden lost this game despite being the favorites. And Spain... Through all the drama off the field with this team, through all the controversy with the coach and everything else, they found a way to get themselves to a World Cup final. So let's break down the game. So first of all, Spain, I think, fully deserved this win. In my opinion, they were the vastly superior team in this game. They were really good at moving the ball. Like the way they were able to pass through the Swedish defense, I thought was great. Sweden had a really hard time defending them out of possession because Spain is just so comfortable with the ball at their feet and holding the ball for possession. Sweden just had a really hard time trying to contain that. And so Spain, like, they really, really ran the show in the midfield. And they got a lot of chances up front that, you know, they weren't able to score in the first half, but they did bury some later on. And Sweden just really, really struggled. Like, they, in the first half, they had one chance. And that was a really close chance because Bjorn basically put in a perfect cross to Rolfa and she was denied by the Spanish goalkeeper. But that was like the only chance they had. It was pretty much all Spain in the first half. And then in the second half, Spain again was kind of all over them. And the substitution, so the hero from the quarterfinals was Paraluelo. And she made such a big impact coming off the bench. She came on and was immediately Spain's best player. She immediately made life hell for the Swedish defenders. And it was only a matter of time before she ended up burying the opening goal for Spain in the 81st minute. Basically, cross came in, ball bounced off the Swedish defender, and she was right there to score, to put Spain in the lead. She scored in the quarterfinal. She scored in the semifinal. I mean, talk about a big game player right there. So 
That puts Spain in front, one nothing. Sweden, to their credit, actually responded pretty well after conceding the goal, as they ended up putting on a lot of pressure. And Sweden ended up seeing a very nice reward for that pressure, because in the 87th minute, Hertig ended up heading the ball across, and it was Blumquist who scored, who buried it into the back of the net, tie the game up, 1-1. But of course, Spain was not going to go away lightly. So, corner kick, like literally a minute later. And the ball got played to the top of the box, and it was Carmona who just decided, you know what, I got the space, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it fly. And she shot it, it went off the crossbar, down into the back of the net, bar down and in Carmona with one of the best goals of the tournament, the biggest goal in Spanish women's football history, and it was enough to send Spain into their first World Cup final. That is an incredible moment, an incredible piece of brilliance, and Spain deserved it. Like I said, they were the better team in this game. I thought their passing was just so good. Bon Mati again. I, I keep talking about her a lot, Atiana Bonmati, but I can't get over how good she is. Like, she is so, so good at controlling the game, at putting in these crisp passes. Like, Bonmati's just exceptionally good at what she does. And I did talk briefly in the in my last episode about how I thought the the player of the tournament award was really wide open. I think Bonmati has gone into the lead. If I had to give out the player of the tournament award, it would be Atiana Bonmati. I think what she's done for Spain in this tournament has been exceptional. And, you know, she's a midfielder. She isn't going to score all the goals, but that's not really the point. The point is, every time I watch her play, she just seems so good at everything. She's so smart in her passing. She's so accurate in her passing. She's so good at just taking control of the game. And as a midfielder, that's the hardest thing to do is to be able to really just grab hold of the game and really control everything that goes on. And I'm talking like the best midfielders in the world are the ones who can do this, right? And Bonmati is absolutely one of those players. So huge credit to her, huge credit to the Spanish team. Unfortunately for Sweden, their, uh, their little run here continues because they, they continue to come up just a little bit short. Sweden, I thought... I thought, you know, going into this game, there were no excuses left for them because Sweden beat the de two-time defending champion United States, and they beat Japan, who I thought was the most impressive team in this tournament so far. But they weren't able to get over the hump again. It continues to be yet another year of Sweden being very impressive, but not winning the big trophy in the end. I don't know if it'll ever change for this team. Obviously, Sweden will have another chance at the Olympics next summer in Paris, but it just feels like it's never going to happen for this team. It just it feels like it's never going to happen. Sweden, they're so good when they play their game, but they also just find ways to lose in these really big, important games. And that's just how it's been for the Swedish national team. So we'll see if they can turn it around next year. I don't have super high hopes for that, but we'll see. For Sweden, though, obviously, this is heartbreaking, and this is much, this is, you know, a loss much earlier than they were expecting. Sweden expected to win the whole tournament, as they probably should have expected, and this is definitely at least a little bit of a disappointment for the team that continues to be so, so close to winning 
the all-important major trophies. But again, Spain is through to the World Cup final. Spain, by the way, this was the first time they ever beat Sweden in a competitive uh, women's international match. So that's something as well. And it will be Spain versus England in the Women's World Cup final. We will have a new champion this year. It'll either be the European champions or it will be Spain. Spain, by the way, did play England last summer at the European Championships in the quarterfinals. That game was won by England, but only after extra time. So we will have to wait and see. That game is unfortunately at 4 a.m. on Sunday, my time. But you better believe I'm getting up to watch that game. And I will have a reaction episode either Sunday or Monday on the World Cup final itself. Just depends how quickly I can gather my thoughts and, you know, put put out an episode essentially. But I'm so excited. The World Cup final is here. The third place game is also here, but I'm not going to talk about the third place game because, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter that much. Like, if Australia win, obviously, it's kind of nice because they will win a medal and whatnot. But I just don't think the the third place game really means a whole lot because neither team actually wants to be there. But the World Cup final is going to be great. We have two really interesting stories. We have two really interesting teams. And ultimately, it's the biggest game in women's football. So I'm excited either way. Spain versus England. I will have a World Cup final preview coming out sometime on Saturday. So be on the lookout for that. I'll break down important matchups, important players, and who I think will ultimately end up winning the game. And of course, if we get a World Cup final that's anything close to what we got on the men's side of things, that would be amazing. I, I'm not expecting that necessarily. Argentina versus France is still, in my opinion, the greatest football game of all time. But I would love to get a very exciting World Cup final because, in my opinion, the 2019 final was a little bit of a dud between the United States and the Netherlands, so I'm hoping we get a very exciting game this time around. But that's it. That's all I got for the semifinals. Thank you so much for listening. We have one game to go in the Women's World Cup, and thanks for joining the journey with me. We're almost there, because now it's time to hand out a trophy. And we'll find out which nation will be dancing in the streets and which one will be Unfortunately, going home with the very, uh, very crappy silver medal that no one wants to win, of course. So, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The World's Game, a World Cup podcast. The music is from Pixabay. There will be new episodes throughout the Women's World Cup, so make sure you subscribe and don't miss a moment of the 2023 World Cup.